Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Sharp Shots Gaming Podcast. My name's Tyler, and this week I have Dave. <laughs> syrup, which is like syrup. Yes. Syrup. <laughs> <laughs> and Phil. Hey. Hey. Uh, also, I'm sure, as our listeners noticed, we have a new theme song. That is compliments of a guy we used to go high school with uh, by the name of Jake Tweedy. Him and his band, Hubris Debris, put that together. Uh, so I would recommend you guys go check them out. They're on Instagram. Uh, just uh, look up Hubris Debris brand, uh, and I'm going to post the link in the description down below as well. But, you know, thanks to him. I want to say thank you yeah. to him because that is just awesome. Yeah, big shout out to Jake. Uh, Jake and I used to be... Uh nigh inseparable uh probably like a second grade through like sixth grade because i mean he lived just down the street from uh so you know all the tales of people having a bicycle gang back in the day well that was us but it was us on our bicycle gang going to each other's house to play nes games <laughs> sounds about right oh, yeah well we also played a lot of those old lucasfilm uh uh, point and click adventures on his computer at his house that was always fun too day of the tentacle Zach McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders. Good times. Very nice. So, before we get into this week's uh, main topic, I've got a a gaming gripe I've got to share real fast here, okay? Okay, okay. Last week, uh, Dave, you talked about Balland Wonderland, that kind of spiritual successor to Knights. Yeah. And the demo came out, so I was like, cool, I'm going to download it on the Switch, see how it is. Okay, okay. Uh, um, Toaster Fire doesn't begin to describe how that game is. Oh, no. <laughs> so, and this is not hyperbole. It has worse fade-in and fade-out of characters than Gex the Gecko game. What do you mean by fade-in and fade-out? Oh, oh, like, appearing? Like, or... Yeah, like, if you oh, get too oh, close to it. Draw distance, I see. Okay, okay. Not even draw distance. Sometimes if you get too close to a character, it just disappears. <laughs> Uh, ask, ask me what an A button does. What's the A button do? It jumps. Ask me what uh, B does. What does B button do? It jumps. Ask me what the trigger does, the right trigger or the left trigger. I'm going to guess jump now. Yes. The only button that does anything different is the left uh, bumper button, and that just mm-hmm. lets you change what kind of jump you do. <laughs> it, 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 it's... And I see we're it, going it, for it, the uh, Kirby's Air Ride uh, uh, controls, uh, aren't we? You know, oh, you can play the game with the control stick and the A button. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, but at least that game had flow; it had rhythm. <laughs> this game, the worst offense, worse <laughs> than the graphical travesty it is. Oh man, I had it, I had me? such high hopes, and you have dashed the wall. Well okay. done, sir. <laughs> So when you jump in this game, mm-hmm. you lose all momentum and you just go straight up and down. Wait, so is like if I'm running forward and jump, I'm just up and down, just vertical. Yes, you lose all momentum. What? <laughs> yes. Okay. Wow. Okay. Oh, that's a design choice. Uh, uh, usually, save for the worst I, NES games. I, I I literally have to wonder if they put this demo out just so they can say, hey, we put a demo out. You didn't have to put any money down. You could know what this was. Oh, wow. Uh, There's so many words like, I want to use. Uh, it's just... Oh. 
Sounds like the ghost of Sega past, you know, coming back to haunt the present. <laughs> you know, I, I still... I, I will occasionally buy, like, a garbage game, you know, just because I'm semi-interested in it. But uh, thank you for letting me know. That'll probably be one I wait until it's, like, you know, in the $15 or less pile at GameStop. But, I mean, that's where I found, like, Wonders of Back 2, you know? <laughs> Dave, uh, Dave, here's what I here's what I strongly recommend. Okay. Okay, I'm uh, listening. <laughs> have a bad night, okay? Where you just want to okay. get blackout drunk. Oh, okay. Okay. Like bad get, night, like we used to do. <laughs> yeah, bad so, video game night. <laughs> so just play the demo for five minutes. You will be passed out from alcohol poisoning within five minutes. <laughs> I don't think it'll be that bad that I get alcohol poisoning because I've never done anything like that. Um, but okay, I, I, I will take your, I will take that into consideration, and uh, I will watch a demo. I just, I was fascinated by the art style mostly because it is uh, Nights into Dreams, and luckily I still have that. I can still play that. Maybe instead I will put my money towards finding a copy of. Uh, Christmas Nights, which was like a kind of spin-off demo-y kind of thing special that they made or something. I need to research that a little more. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I guess I got a little gripe. I know you've got, what, one more, don't you? Well, it's not a gripe, but something kind of cool. But go ahead with okay. your gripe. Okay, my gripe, um, it's a small one. Um, and I'm wondering if this is happening to... Uh, you know, a lot of Best Buys or not. I haven't been to a Best Buy in... I haven't been to a Best Buy since over the summer when, uh, mm -hmm. you know, when I got my new phone. And even then, I wasn't shopping for video games. Uh, the one thing I did find that was cool, though, apparently uh, Best Buy is getting uh, a, good, a good bit of the uh, limited run games. You know, mm -hmm. the ones that are download only but made physical... And actually have them in stock in the store. So, so that's been pretty cool. So I've been able to catch like Undertale on Ooh, uh, nice. physical. And, uh, but also I was always interested in the, uh, in Panzer Dragoon. I have that on the Saturn as well. I know I talk about Sega a lot, but really I, w I was a Nintendo fanboy, but I do like Sega style and aesthetics. So I wanted to pick up the remake and I saw that luckily it actually was available in store in uh, our, uh, my hometown, and which was nice because I didn't want to pay like the uh, eBay markup price, which was like an extra twenty bucks when really it's only forty bucks. So I get over there, but the video game section for this Best Buy. Now I will admit it's like a it's a smaller scale Best Buy. Um, like the local Walmart is bigger than this Best Buy, whereas you know. You have the huge Best Buys, though, but they'll sell also, like, washers, dryers, uh, refrigerators, stuff like that. So this place now used to have probably, I would say, about, you know, six solid aisles dedicated to gaming, hardware, and video games. And now it is down to two, and then one only for uh, Blu-rays. And I have just, I was a bit aghast. Now, I get it, you know, times are changing, and I guess I also got to consider kind of my location. Uh, we are a college town, so I can easily see why most of their store floor space is dedicated to tablets and uh, 
laptops and TVs and cell phones, of course. Um, but it was just like a slap in the face because I remember, you know, this store used to have a dedicated section for gaming, a dedicated center floor space for DVDs and uh, movies. And it even used to have a dedicated section for anime. Now, I can even specifically remember, like, when the anime section was taken out because, like, I was prowling on the internet and it was just said, Best Buys are losing their anime sections in select stores and all will be 50% off. So, like, uh, I grabbed my then-girlfriend at the time and we went there and we just, you know, we bought up, like, all that we could. And funnily enough, most of those anime series have outlasted that relationship by a wide margin. But <laughs> that's just a funny little aside. But it's just, you know, I remember that, you know, stuff like that used to take up so much floor space. And now I, I'm very sad to see, though, because I'm a collector. I love having a physical. I like having a library. I can look at it. Like, if you can't tell, you know, behind me, that's my DC graphic novel. Just my DC comics. I've got, I've got Independence, and I've got Marvel over here. So, but uh, just to see it go from like I remember Best Buy stores, like you would walk in, and there was a giant, like almost like sculptural signboard. You'd walk in, and it was Mario and Sonic the Hedgehog standing right next mm -hmm. to each other. And that time is long gone. However, Target, however, did surprise me. I walked in, and there is a, like, about a, about a foot and a half tall Mario statue on a pole, you know, given, like, a woo pose. And I'm like, oh, I would steal that if I could so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Where would you put it? I'd have it coming out of my chimney in my house. That's what I would do, you know, just on the top of the house. No, but I, I miss that so much. I'm just wondering, viewers, is, is your Best Buy like that? Or is, like, you know, some of them still, you know, pretty good. I imagine in some states, though, where, you know, you know, dynamics are different, you know, maybe there is more of a focus on, like, Blu-rays and DVDs. Because there are still pockets on, like, the United States where, I mean, you turn a corner and you're back in the 1950s. And, I mean, even in... Even in Illinois, I know non-Illinoisians think that everything is Chicago. That is absolutely not the case. I mean, I am a half hour away from a town that literally is, you know, I'm expecting Wally and the Beaver to be walking down the street because it's like the town square with all the mom and pop shops and uh, with the World War II memorial in the center next to the Vietnam War Memorial on the other side. And, you know, maybe, you know, in towns like, you know, in areas that are maybe, you know, moderately, uh, you know, a good mix between rural and uh, urban, you know, would, you know, are your best buys better, would you say? Like, uh, we were chatting a little bit about this earlier, Tyler. You said yours is still pretty, pretty decent, right? Oh, yeah. So uh, we actually have a couple different best buys. Um, and I can say well, all the ones I've been in around here uh, have at least four or five aisles for video games. They have multiple lanes for Blu-rays and uh, 4K discs still. They still have their anime section. Like it, Dang. <laughs> yeah. It, it, no, ours is, ours is pretty well loaded. But I do see, I mean, it's, I do see mm -hmm. as a collective, it's shrinking a little bit across, you know, stores. 
Mm-hmm. I have to wonder if it's the same thing happening to video games that happened to music. Whereas mm-hmm. digital downloads have increased, uh, there's less and less need for the floor, floor space for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of thing too. And I think Dave, the one by your locate or where you are, uh, just in general, is is has always had a problem with selection. I've always felt like I know which one you're you frequent, and I've been there as as well. And it's it's always been kind of kind of lackluster in their selections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely a smaller one. As I said, the local Walmart is bigger than it. The Deerbergs next to it is bigger than it. I mean, I th- it's almost, you know, if there was like a, it's like almost a step between like those Best Buy mobile hotspots that they have in malls and an actual Best Buy. It's like the middle lane of it, but yeah. it just still surprised me so much when, you know, just how quickly that dynamic has changed. Because I honestly want to say when I was over there over the summer, it was still like, you know, at least four or five aisles dedicated to that stuff. And maybe COVID has caused this. I, you know, I don't know. More people are wanting digital devices where you can just download stuff as opposed to, you know, having people handle discs and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know. I would have thought that like, PlayStation 5 and uh, Xbox Series X would have uh, boosted, you know, the physical presence in store, but really not as much as I see, as I see in like my local Walmart. I would say Walmart has more selection. So you see, that's kind of funny here. So recently our uh, Best Buy actually reorged their PlayStation section to have more of an aesthetic for the PS5 era, you know, the white coloring and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think a lot of the stores were waiting until they're starting to get inventory back in for the PS5 and Xbox Series X. They didn't want to do it beforehand because they were selling Mm -hmm. them online because no one could keep them in stores. Mm -hmm. And and that's still the case. And uh, we'll talk about this another time, but there've been like the cases of people using bots to, buy up all the stock and stuff like that. But that's, that is a completely different topic, but uh, maybe you're right. You know, maybe they are trying to finally get it. I still have not been to a store though. And ever seen like without seeing the sign that says these are only sold online. So, uh, they, at least, at least in my targets and best buys, those mm-hmm. signs have disappeared. It just says they're out of stock. Okay. Okay. Maybe I'll get lucky one day. I don't get lucky often, but <laughs> Get, uh, get all I know is no whammies, no whammies, yeah, whammies. Yeah. yeah. All I say is, as I've told these guys, as long as I can get it before Resident Evil Eight or buy when Resident Evil Eight comes out, because that's the first like next gen game that has gotten me going. Yes, you have my attention, you know, and not just for uh, well endowed uh, vampire nine ladies foot, that are nine, nine feet tall. Something, yeah. yeah. No, but I loved Resident Evil 7, and I really want to see how Ethan Winter's story continues. Nine-foot-tall, flotation-device-equipped vampire ladies, that's just a bonus on top. (laughs) 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 Okay, Tyler, your next one. Okay, so I got to hand it to Amazon, because they Google just announced that they're ending their... uh, you know, development of games for Stadia. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had they had an internal development. They stopped that. Okay. Amazon has come in and said, "Hey Google, you know how you messed up Stadia? Hold my beer," mm. because they have a phenomenal streaming service. It launched. Mm. It, first off, it's still in beta. You have to get an invite for it. 
it mm-hmm. launched where it's playable on computers, uh, laptops, tablets, my iPhone, Android, all through a web-based browser. So you don't have mm-hmm. to download anything. Um, and they did it the right way where the base service for it, five ninety nine a month, unlimited access to all the games. Hmm. you know it's and then what they're going to do on top of that is have channels and so the first channel they have is the ubisoft channel 15 bucks a month lets you play any ubisoft game day and date from launch wow and Hmm. so i was impressed by this because for those who can't really afford to buy multiple games throughout the year Mm -hmm. at the new price of 70 dollars a game that's $140. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you now have an option for, uh, you know, six times 12 is like uh, <laughs> 720 or like $72 or something. Yeah. You can, you can, uh, you can, ladies get and gentlemen, you went to college to be a math teacher. <laughs> I had a, th- it, it, it's late. It's been a week. <laughs> um, but, I mean, there's some big names games on there. Control is on there. Uh, really? Dark okay. Sonic Mania. Uh, what was one of the other big ones? I'm blanking off the top of my head. Oh, they had Undernight and Birth, the uh, Arc Systems uh, fighting game. Oh, okay. Uh, and oh. I gotta say, they all ran very well. And they also mm-hmm. were recognizing the limitations. They're not pushing for 4K right now. They're 1080p consistent frame rate. So... That's one to keep an eye on if you're looking for a cheap entry into gaming because mm-hmm. every device can be a gaming device for it. Mm-hmm. What kind of frame rate are they uh, pushing? Uh, between 30 and 60. It matched the actual game's frame rate. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. That can actually be a um, lot better visually than going for straight 4K. Like 1080p at 60 frames looks a lot oh, 100%, better. 100%. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about you guys that but whenever I have an option for performance or uh, visuals for a game, I go performance every time. Mm-hmm. Like Monster mm-hmm. Hunter World on my Xbox, uh, One X, One X, not Series X, naming convention's stupid, but mm-hmm. uh, I always switch that to performance mode, so it's only 1080p, not the 4K, but it's mm-hmm. a solid 60 frames a second. Nice. Yeah. And it is well, we... glorious. Yeah, we, uh, we splurged on a TV this past fall and it made me a believer because a lot of the stuff because uh we never upgraded we bought a 4k tv with it was uh it can do 60 frames but we mm-hmm. never upgraded our netflix to 4k we just did the lot uh, just just the base netflix and this tv also has hdr so like 1080p uh-huh. at 60 frames with hdr you'll see a completely different screen even if you just switch just to 4k like that HDR and that 60 frames makes a huge difference in the quality. Hmm. 100% agree. Uh, yeah. With me, though, you know, I heard you guys talking about Stadia, and I was just, you know, because that, for me, the collector throws the concept of ownership of your games absolutely out the window. And I, you know, I I actively kind of despise that. I know that some studios are chomping at the bit to be able to do that. And, so here's, um, here's my thought on it, Dave. I don't want it mm-hmm. to be the only choice. I do not mm-hmm. want Stadia right. or Luna to be the only choice. Yeah. I just want it to be a choice to be an entry-level 
non-barrier for gamers. And I get that. I really do. Um, but again, I bring up the fact that, you know, we've had games just, you know, completely disappear due to basically lawyer shenanigans. I mean, we are Scott only Hogan. now. Exactly. That's what I was going to bring up. And, uh, I haven't pre-ordered it yet, but that's going to get a limited run uh, release. So I plan on uh, picking that up, hopefully as physical, because, you know, even then, if, you know, it, if it goes away, I can at least plug in and play like the vanilla, you know, version, you know, mm -hmm. and, in, and that's in one case, though, where I know piracy is a bad word in the gaming industry, but, you know, we now have this kind of gray area, I feel, that, you know, we have abandoned titles. Like, there are some arcade games that have just upped and vanished like farts in the wind because, you know, the companies don't produce them anymore and they've never ported them to anything else. So, like, if you've ever played the uh, Alien vs. Predator Capcom arcade beat-em-up, mm -hmm. that game is bonkers. I mean, you could play as three different versions of the Predator... And two original characters that Capcom designed themselves. But that game was never ported to anything else. There was talk of, like, this really stupid-looking Capcom arcade stick set. It was literally the Capcom logo with arcade sticks and buttons. Mm -hmm. And it said it was going to have it on there. I have heard nothing of that yet again. And so that is the only, like, gray area that I have is that if I can't physically buy it you know then that is in my own choice where it's just like i think piracy is allowed in those cases when things have just been absolutely abandoned and there is no easy way tangible way for me to buy it you know so like i have a um i have a super retrocade actually and it had a bunch of arcade games pre-installed on it, but it has a slot in the back for uh, an SD card. And literally all you had to do was, you didn't even have to download MAME or hack the thing. If you had the game on the SD card and just, you know, plugged it in, boom. So I've got games that is just like have disappeared. So like I have the Alien vs. Predator game. Uh, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, um, you know, franchises that, you know, tried in the 90s to, you know, basically be the next Ninja Turtles and failed spectacularly. So I have uh, the arcade uh, Captain Bucky O'Hare <laughs> uh, mm. <laughs> game, you know. So, you know, and, and that's a lot of fun, and I will gladly delete those if I can ever, like, download them, you know. But that just hasn't been the case because, you know, these companies don't care or it's, you know, tied up in so much red tape that they never, you know, can. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. Fair enough. All right. All Phil, right. you got any gripes for the week? No, I don't think so. It was, I had a week myself, so I didn't have much. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I didn't spend a whole lot of time uh, looking some stuff up. Yep. Been there, done that. Uh, luckily, oh. my week was okay, but we'll, we'll see. It's always, a, you know, we'll see about yeah. next week. Okay, so is it uh, main topic time there, Dungeon Master? Main topic o'clock, yes. Okay. So this week's topic was hidden gems, games that you feel were amazing that just got lost in the sands of time. 
So, All right. uh, Phil, do you want to go first with one of yours? Sure. Um, so as we were talking earlier, one that uh, came to mind, uh, this is actually a game my brother introduced me to. It's a very short, very quick play, and it's like, a, if I remember correctly, it's been a minute since I played it myself. I think it was a third-person shooter. It's called Spec Ops The Line. And oh, yeah. The premise of this is essentially you're, you play a squad of three going into, I think, Dubai. You're trying to do a rescue mission and find out what happened to a squad that was there before you. Mm-hmm. And no spoilers, uh, something mm-hmm. happens and you end up hurting some innocent people and it ends up traumatizing the squad as a whole. And the entire game is just this four or five hour long downward mental spiral that these people go through. And they end up, yes. (laughs) And it's done very well. And they, uh, they end up becoming more aggressive towards each other. They become more violent in general. They just kind of snap a little bit. And the, point of the game is kind of to shine a light on the gamer and make them think like well what do you like about violence and it's just it's a, it, it hits a certain way when you play it and it makes you think for a second and it's something that always stuck with me and like i said it's very short very quick you know you can probably beat it in an afternoon a long afternoon but it's just really well put together and there's a lot of nuance to it if you're paying attention so that was one that i've always because i had never heard about it until it was recommended to me by my brother and he had Got me, I picked it up on Steam on a sale, and I played it. You know, one day just had nothing else going on. And I finished it the same day, and I was like, "That's that was pretty crazy. It was pretty. It was very interesting, but pretty crazy in how they did it and how it was executed." So, uh, I guess my question is, um, how did they do? Like, you know, the descent into kind of madness thing, like uh, it just the things your character you know decides to do. Uh, yeah. Is it more like a you know a Bioshock kind of twist in the story kind of thing, or uh, uh, is it like a Eternal Darkness where you know you start seeing weird stuff <laughs> as you go along? <laughs> um, a little bit of Eternal Darkness, not weird, really? but like you do start to see things that don't ha- quite happen, if I remember correctly, and uh, you yeah, you start it- to become more morally questionable like all of, like when you first went in there you were you know they were very professional they were very articulate people special forces going into this area and then mm-hmm. uh they all of a sudden are willing to do things that they wouldn't normally do they start fighting with each other they start getting more aggressive and though apparently one of the cues as to whether or not something was real or not was whether it was if the screen fades to black or if the screen fades to white in certain aspects in certain points of the game and if you're paying attention to when that happens it is an indicator as to whether or not it's real okay so there's the possible these guys are possibly hallucinating at times yeah okay so so to kind of clarify that is it like a situation where they think they've come up against enemy troops and are killing them and they're just civilians, but they don't see it that way? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I'd have to play it and find out. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, but maybe, yeah. I gotcha. I, it sounds like, you know, you're slowly... Uh, you're, I guess, is it just one character or do you play as members of the squad? You play as one character, but there are two other members that are with you that follow you through the uh, th- through the mission, essentially. Okay. And um, 
to kind of give another example of what like you have just becoming more violent there's one point in the game where you end up taking over a helicopter that has a minigun on the side of it and your character is just completely filled with bloodlust and screaming like i'm gonna keep killing as much as i can Mm. throughout this entire segment of the mission and that's where it kind of shines a light on you of like well you were excited when you were doing that, weren't you? Like you mm-hmm. appreciate <laughs> violence. <laughs> like, right? It's just like, you kind of, you enjoy doing this a little too much. Like if you were that energetic mm-hmm. about this one segment. So sounds a, a little bit like there's a, some, uh, the trope of the unreliable narrator in there too. If it's a uh, got hallucinations in there as well. So, right. Mm-hmm. right. Yeah, that's, that's cool. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good things about that game. Yeah. It's I and, like I said, not a lot of people know about it. Um, at least not mm-hmm. that I've seen. I, I'd never seen much hype on it, and it's probably because it was just a really quick campaign. It was, you know, like I said, five hours, um, and, I, and there's I no online capability. That was my question. I take it there's like no multiplayer, you know. So no, and, and there is there's a small amount of replayability. I think because I think you can do certain make certain decisions differently, and you can get different endings. And I think that's part of where the whole fade to black versus fade to white thing comes into play. Interesting. I just find it cool that actually this game uh, chose to do an actual like military style game that had like a good plot and wasn't just totally focused on the multiplayer. Yeah. Because you know, don't get me wrong, I understand that you know the Call of Duties and stuff are are popular, but uh, you know, I have never heard anybody just say you know oh the plot for call of duty you know was you know truly yeah. something spectacular it's just all these <laughs> multiplayer mode 360 no scope you know yeah, yeah. that's kind of ironic I, I i felt like call of duty at least the very very early call of duty back when it was a world war ii shooter yeah was more about the campaigns than it was about the multiplayer and granted i think multiplayer just kind of grew but call of duty was a series that built up from another series called Medal of Honor. Mm-hmm. And, like members of that development team went off and they did Call of Duty and Medal of Honor actually is a fun fun trivia fact that I always share is that Medal of Honor was actually created by Steven Spielberg back in the late nineties. And really? that development team broke off or at least parts of it went off and they did the very first World War II Call of Duty and then after Call of Duty five came out is when they did Modern Warfare and then they've just they've had like fifteen of them now. So but that's and a fun like, little tidbit. And they've like gone to the future too now. Like haven't yeah. they? Uh, yeah. They did infinite was it Infinite War, Infinity War or something like that? So there was advanced warfare and infinite warfare. Ah. Uh, I'm always up for a good shooter. However, you know, I, I've never been too keen on like mowing down people in a game necessarily. But mm-hmm. zombies, mutants, aliens, monsters, demons—oh yeah, I'm all for it. So that's why, like, Doom. It, oh, and Nazis. Okay, Nazis aren't people, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm okay with Wolfenstein. And even then, it's just like. Here's a giant mechanical cat that's trying to eat you. Okay, cool. <laughs> you know, but uh, you know that's why that's one of the chief reasons why I've never gotten into. It. I, I never found the attraction to war. You know, like the you know, I, and I get that some people are like you know, I go to the flea markets looking for games, but there's always like the guys that are selling like all of the classic soldier memorabilia and stuff, and it's just like. I get it, but I don't at the same time. I really don't. I mean, I get that you like to collect that stuff, but I don't get why you like to glorify it. But, you know, that's me. I mean, you know, 
you know, that, that's just me, ladies and gentlemen. There's, there's definitely a threshold that I think shouldn't get crossed. Like, it's okay mm. to appreciate certain things, but when mm-hmm. you start taking fantasy and making it reality, then it starts getting more concerning. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yes. All right. Yeah. Uh, that was my game. Uh, or at least yeah. one of them. I got another one I can share, too, but I'll, I'll pass the torch on whoever wants to go next. Tyler, I think it is your turn. All right. So, I think the one I'm going to start off with, I'm going to tell you a tale. So, back in the day, I didn't own a PlayStation. When hot new commodity uh, for the PlayStation PlayStation 2 was Metal Gear Solid. All I heard mm. about Solid Snake left and right, man, this is such a good game. This is totally awesome. And I wanted to experience that story. So, my first Metal Gear experience and a lost treasure of a game is Metal Gear Solid for the Game Boy Color. All right. And now, in other nations, it was went by the name of Metal Gear Solid Ghost Battle. So, a little kind of background on this game. It is alternate universe from the other Metal Gear Solid games. It takes place roughly about seven years after Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake. You know, the... Uh, the NES game. Or, yeah. well... No. Well, <laughs> it was on a lot of stuff. It's complicated. It's complicated, <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I am just so impressed on what they were able to do on that little tiny console. Mm-hmm. You want to walk up against a wall, not to try to get an enemy to come towards you? It let you do that. If you want to hide under a box and get on a conveyor belt to try to get to the right area, you had multiple boxes because if you're a box from this one area, you're not supposed to be in this other area, so it would draw attention to you. Uh, huh. Yeah, it was it was surprisingly detailed. Great story. And I love the, the final boss fight, because you're trying to defeat the new Metal Gear that's coming out. But unlike the other Metal Gear games where you're like, oh, rocket launcher, rocket launcher. Mm-hmm. You basically, you have a couple C4 things, and you st- stick it where it's about to step to try to get it to blow its legs off. Interesting. Yeah. Now, that's really cool. Uh, it, it reminds me a little bit, uh, you know, again, the, the rampant Nintendo fanboy here. Uh, I was also into all of Nintendo's uh, companies that they had dealings or you know partial ownership of the time. It sounds like an even better version of what Perfect Dark for the Game Boy was trying to be. Like I never, I Perfect never Dark, that one. It, but yeah, it failed spectacularly, but it sounds like what it wanted to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, one thing. Um, now, you said it's an alternate universe kind of thing, um, but mm-hmm. I thought I remember reading, is it an alternate retelling of the events of the first uh, Metal Gear Solid? No. Really? Oh, okay. No, and... and Where did I read the, this? And it's just com- it, because it goes by the name Metal Gear Solid, that's a kind of common misconception. But no, I just, doesn't... I wanted to say I like read that in Nintendo Power or something dumb, but you know, back in the day in the internet... And still today, you know, you can read complete garbage and it'd be said it was the truth. Um, This one, it actually took place at Outer Heaven, where Metal Gear 2 took place. Oh, okay. Uh, Someone else had taken over it, a giant conspiracy theory about um, CIA involvement with terrorists there, completely different bosses. Hmm. It was its own individual thing. and. 
it it really was kind of a spiritual successor to Metal Gear Two. Uh, but instead of going like screen by screen, where you know you'd have the one screen go to the next mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. this had the parallaxing where it would follow you, so you'd have these huge open maps for each area. Oh, nice! But they also appreciated that this was a mobile game, so they broke the game up into levels. I believe there's thirteen in total. Okay. And for replayability, they scored you on the levels based on how fast, how lethal. I uh, got you. And, and it had all the you could you had your tranquilizer you had your silencer, uh, mm-hmm. your your uh, you had you could neck choke them, mm-hmm. you had all these little touches, on the little tiny Game Boy Color screen. Wow, it's crazy. And uh, uh, it was it was just a treasure ahead of its time. I imagine it only got better on like a, a Game Boy Advance SP screen. Oh yeah, uh, you know, with the with that lighting. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, that sounds really cool. It sounds like something I will have to track down, actually. Um, I, I, again, I don't know where the, the retelling of uh, one came from. Now I'm just wondering, like, you know, why did they make it like an alternate universe kind of thing when it sounds like it could fit in with uh, the rest? But I guess, uh, you know, I guess with some of those mobile games, like... Uh, Sometimes I guess the creators aren't necessarily involved with their making, and, and so and I think that was the case with this one. Really? Um, okay. And I think, don't quote me on this. Um, I think because I think it takes place seven years after Metal Gear Two. It kind of rub, rubs up against the time period for Metal Gear Solid, so the two I couldn't think. coexist. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, so I guess Hideo was just like, oh, which one am I going to keep? Well, obviously my baby. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, no, but, you know, I find that, you know, sometimes, you know, with these uh, handheld games, they do try and shoehorn them into, you know, canon, even though it's just like, you know, when they were made, they were not intended for that at all. Like, uh, uh, I have, I believe I have all of the Castlevania games, except for uh, any uh, stupid pachinko machines they may have made. But even uh, Castlevania Judgment, Tyler, we played that at your house. I know. I, <laughs> I still have the scars, the, the emotional scars. <laughs> I bought it that day, and I brought it over to your house, and we played it on that big giant screen TV that your parents had bought at a yard sale for fifty dollars. Yep. Judgment. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sixty-four version. That's the. That's that was the, the fighter. fighting game. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> I thought the yeah, 64 just like, like, 3D one was the worst one. Uh, yeah, no, and and just like Jared Leto, it looked like every character fell into a vat of Hot Topic. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, originally I was like, oh, the creator of Death Note, you know, did all the designs. And then it's like, oh, the creator of Death Note did all the designs here. Choices were made. Yes. Uh, Smash Brothers has since rectified said choices. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. It looked like they fell in a van. No, but um, Koji Igarashi, who has since left Konami, so who knows how, you know, the rabid Castlevania fans that, you know, will probably chew me up to pieces in the comments will be like, oh, that's not true. Blah, blah, blah. But, like, uh, there was one for the game, where they made three, uh, and it was Castlevania Legends, where it was, like, the first one to actually have a female Belmont protagonist, and he was just like, "Nope." 
Mm. And I'm just like, oh man, you know, and it's just, it's so funny, you know, just like, you know, that certain one is just like, nope, that one's not it at all. And some people were speculating, it's just like, is Koji just like broads don't know how to fight vampires or something? You know, just easy being really sexist or something? I don't know. Uh, but, you know, it's just, you know, and like some of the Legend of Zelda ones have been like that too. You know, now that Nintendo has revealed their official timeline, you know, you could tell some of these were like, well, if we do this, we can fit this one in here. And, you know, a little side and you slip and you can fit it in right here. Oh, but only if the hero died in Ocarina of Time. Well, then we can fit this one over here. Uh, it's a mess. <laughs> Get the loop. We need to fit this one in. <laughs> Astro Glide. <laughs> Gotta fit a portion into a doghouse. <laughs> Where are we putting seasons and ages? Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> it was fun, but I, I played them stupidly both at the same time as opposed to playing one and then playing the other and putting all the codes into it. So it was just kind of uh, like, why do I want to do this? And so I, I was too excited. <laughs> all right. Anything else about uh, Ghost Babble? Uh, th- that was the big thing is, like I said, surprisingly complex yet accessible for a Game Boy Color game. And yeah, and I had... Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just surprised that they were able to do all this stuff on a Game Boy Color cartridge, and then even also, like, the Game Boy's only got two buttons, <laughs> you know? Oh, they made use of those start and select buttons, too. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so, well, like, one would be, uh, if memory serves me correctly, you would hold down one uh, to change your gun, and the other one to change your item. Oh, Okay. Wow! Interesting. Did you, did you yeah. pause? Uh, yeah. No. I know. I think. I think what it was is you hold down one and like up and down change one thing, and left and right change the other. Oh, okay. Okay. Kind of across. If if memory serves me correctly, it's been a long time since I played this game. I'm it's sure. A, long time. a lot of that. Time. I don't know. I, I was drawing a lot of blanks with <laughs> the one I brought mm. up. Um, but I just remember it being so engaging, so fun, and. One other thing that it did bring from Metal Gear Solid, if you were spotted, you had to hide. I gotcha. Nice. And, and, it, and it even had that dun 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 dun. Nice. Running through it. So. Oh, that's really. Ever, I'll have to pick that up. Maybe yeah, I'll see um, if I can play it on my uh, GameCube Game Boy player and see if it'll work on a TV. You know, that might be after the fun. after the podcast, I'll I'll send you a YouTube video of it so you can kind of see what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah, that sounds cool. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, Dave. All right. Uh, I have a I have a couple. Uh, the first one, though, uh, I really kind of looked at this like, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, YouTube videos or YouTube stars that, you know, really, they do a lot of, you know, like top 10 hidden gems for the SNES. And so, you know, I'm looking at a lot of my games and I really was looking at them like I want to pick one that I really, truly enjoyed, but I've never heard any of these websites talk about it so like i know i mentioned eternal darkness earlier which you know that's one that i would consider yeah a hidden gem because no one really does but then it's like you know the completionists and all of them have talked about it and stuff like that or um you know cinemassacre has done like top 10 hidden gem videos on 
uh, the Super NES, and like I actually, you know, was surprised. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I got to go get that to add to the collection. And uh, but actually, I decided to pick one though that you know me and my brother uh, were really fond of from uh, when we were little. And uh, we really enjoyed. And this was actually from the time when, you know, we had a Genesis first. And, you know, this one was, uh, we, you know, we would rent it constantly from the video store. And at the time, oh, excuse me, I got slight hip, hip ups, which are like hip ups. Hip ups. No. Um, one of those new drugs. Yeah, yep. Yep, yep. I'm doing the hip ups. <laughs> no, um, but uh, the video stores would be in the local grocery store. So, like, you know, it was Schnooks was our video oh. store. And uh, had the best video game collection you could rent from. Yes. And uh, even before then, you could rent a console from them. So there were times where, like, for a special occasion, you know, I would, uh, like, for a birthday, we'd rent me a Genesis before we actually bought one. But the one that like we constantly kept going back to, and uh, I guess maybe you know maybe we were interested in the box art or anything like that. But uh, the one I hear no one ever talk about, and it is probably one of the most graphically impressive games on the Genesis, as well as being you know fairly technical, and, and it's kind of like uh, how you said with Ghost Babble, you know, they they did a lot with you know, very little, all things considered, but it's called a Ranger X. Yeah, and, you know, I never hear anybody talk about this. It's called X Ronza in uh, Japan. Um, but you are, you know, the Ranger X, this is actually like a, a mobile suit, you know, like a mech suit. All right, so okay. you're a dude in this. Um, but uh you literally, it, it allows you to do a lot of things. Like, you can literally, you know, you push up to fly, but you have, like, a temperature gauge. So if you overheat the jet boosters, you've got to land to get those to, you know, cool down. Uh, you could find, you could get special weapons. Uh, you started with, uh, you know, your regular blaster. And what was cool, though, is to kind of keep a bit more of a technical challenge with it, uh, the C button shot your regular blaster to the right. A shot, uh, made you turn around and shoot to the left. All right. So you kind of, normally you're just going left to right, but if you, there were times where you needed to turn around. And so literally you had like a turnaround button. So you weren't just like stuck. And then the B button would fire your special weapon. And now you started off with a, a flamethrower, which was decent. And then you also, uh, had a uh, plasma like grenades that, it kind of acted like the holy water in Castlevania. You know, it hits the ground and then, you know, a little bit. But there was a, a hidden weapon in each level that uh, you could find and then, uh, you know, get to use. But what was also cool, you had an ammo system for that special weapon, but it could be refilled with bright light in the game. So, like, the in a level where you're, like, you know, in a you know bright, sunny field... Uh, it's going to regenerate pretty quickly, but the very next level, level two, is in a cave system, and so you're starting to run out of that stuff pretty quickly. But you can then realize that you can actually find like uh, stalactites hanging from the ceiling. You could blast those, and that would shine light down through it. And you could stand in that for a while and slowly refill your bar. 
And then, like, you know, another level is a forest, which it's got, like, really dense, uh, you know, underbrush. And, you again, you can't really fill up down there. But you could fly up, and you've got, like, a, a platform up there, and you could, you know, uh, refill there. And that was another thing, too, that was cool. Uh, in every level, you had an accompanying vehicle that would uh, come along with you. And in most levels, it's called uh, the, uh, the, they were both called X-Up, but one was called X-Up Indra, and it was a motorcycle. And this was the only way you could switch out your weapons, but literally, you could, like, fly, land on top of it, push down, and you would merge with it, like a transformer combining, just And what that was cool about that is it gave you a whole different health bar for the fused, you know, motorcycle. But then also, as you push the B button in the motorcycle, you'd switch out your weapons and you could pick which one you wanted. And then, you know, you push up, you unseparate, you go back to your regular health bar, and, uh, you know, you could continue. But what was also cool, like, you could combine with this cycle, uh, and it was nice that because it had, like, auto-targeting for the regular blaster, so if you're like in a, like a smaller space that's a bit enclosed, you could merge with that guy, and he would, you know, if you're bottlenecked, he would start automatically, you know, like sputtering out, you know, shots to hit them as they came close. And then there was the other one that was the flying one, and that one was uh, next to useless. But basically, as I said, it was the platform that would follow you in like the jungle level. You could fly up, land on it, and recharge for a bit before going back down. And it's just. It was a really well done game. Graphics were amazing. Uh, I remember the soundtrack being pretty darn good as well. And, you know, it was also hard. It was not an easy game. And it was even then, if you played it on easy and you beat it, it uh, gave you one of those uh, not real endings. Mm. You know, next time, try it on normal mode and you might get the real ending. And I don't think I ever could beat it, but I think. My brother Doug was able to do it once. Yeah. Yep. 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 Nice. Did anybody ever play like? Uh, I think it was RoboCop on the Super Nintendo. I think it was like the first RoboCop game that ever came out for Super Nintendo. Speaking of well, hard games, I remember RoboCop versus Terminator for uh, the Super Nintendo. Was that it? Maybe it was that. I maybe it was maybe it was RoboCop versus Terminator. I remember the game being so infuriating because I could not get past the first jump. Like oh, in the very first wow. level, you would fight like two bad guys, and then there was this one little you had to jump over. It was a you had to jump over this little gap, and I could never make it. <laughs> I could never get past it. And I think I accidentally like successfully leapt over it once, and then almost immediately died at the next spot. Uh, I remember getting so frustrated. My uh, I asked my dad, to, I had rented it for the weekend at Blockbuster, mm -hmm. and uh, I had gotten so frustrated playing the game, I asked my dad to take me back to the Blockbuster to return it, mm -hmm. because I just couldn't get past <laughs> the first part. <laughs> and the guy, like, I had to, my dad had to talk to the guy, he's like, listen, like, my son could not play this, like, is there anything we can do to just exchange it? And the guy was like, yeah, we'll do it once. And that's all you guys could do. <laughs> oh, wow. I remember never wanting to pick that game up again because then I tried for like a good hour or two before I was just like, I can't. How do I even get past this? <laughs> Sounds like the jump from uh, the original NES Ninja Turtles that everybody always talks about online. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. 
So, Dave, uh, talking about Ranger X there, it kind of mm-hmm. sounds a little bit like Master Blaster. Do you remember that game? Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, no, I do remember Master Blaster. Um, I guess this was my Master Blaster because I, I wasn't introduced to Master Blaster until much later when I started collecting NES games. Um, there are parts like that, but it is purely a 2D side-scroller that at very much times is like a shmup, you know? Okay. And um, so there's, like, no parts where you go into, like, a cave and it goes to the overhead view, you know, like the two and a half. Yeah, I was, know, thinking, more half of, I was thinking more of that you could separate from the tank and then do that separately yeah. from the... Oh, yeah, and, uh, you know, everything in it is just, like, a bonus. And then, like, you know, all of the special weapons have, like, a different effect. Like, uh, the flamethrower is really, you know, a pretty junky weapon, uh, and so are the plasma bombs. But, like, I would say that, like, you know, in level two, you got this really cool, like, lightning gun. But what was it, what was interesting about it, it was it fired. You know, you like your body would be covered with lightning, and then you would like shoot a beam out of your head and like your feet, and they would slowly start spinning around. You know, like in like a weird clock formation. But if they caught something that was an enemy, you know, they would then like focus on that, and you know, like both beams would then shoot, 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 shoot you know. And then they had one where you could literally find a robotic falcon. And you could, like, fire it off, and then it would literally fly and attack enemies until they, like, blew up, and then it would, like, go on to the next enemy, you know, and then, like, after a certain point, then it would return to you, and it's just like, holy crap. And then there's also a way to find the final uh, special weapon in, uh, like, one of the, like, I think, like, level four, and it is literally a screen clearing like laser it is like a laser that kills just everything in the screen just blam you just see this swath of green cover it looks like the uh the laser that fires at you in mighty Morphin power rangers with the superintendent if you take too long in the level just blam and just destroys everything phil i'm surprised you're not talking about this game more because uh I had a retro video game night one night, and everybody was over, and you were, like, getting really into it, okay. and so we all were just like, hey, let's go get some drinks, and then, like, like 20 minutes later, you come upstairs, <laughs> and you're like, man, I must have been really into that, because all of a sudden, I turn around, you all were gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually about to ask, I'm like, this game sounds really familiar, I feel yeah. like I've played this before. Yeah. Like, I- Remember, like I remember bits and pieces of it. It had been, it had had to have been a minute, though. Mm-hmm. No, like you were like you had like gotten on the second level and were like really getting into it. You were like figuring out, you know, shoot the ceiling to allow the light to come through. Yeah, like the more you talked about it, I'm like, did I play this? I feel like I did. Yeah, <laughs> like that was the thing for a while. I think it was literally because like. Uh, me and Tyler had had like a classic game night at his place, and uh, I bet it was just like me and him at the time. But we were playing like, um, oh god, well, Super Contra is that the one for? Uh, oh, or is that Contra, Contra 3D? 3D? Alien Weave. Yeah, yeah, we were playing so that, good. and we were just kind of going over games and talking like you know ones that we had never heard people like talk about. 
And so, like, I have remembered the Contras a lot from a regular Nintendo, and Tyler's like, well, have you ever tried, you know, the Super Nintendo one? I'm like, can't say I have. So we were playing multiplayer on that, so, like, I'm like, okay, next time we do this, we'll do it in my place, and I'll show you some of the stuff from my collection. We can just plug stuff in. And I remember, like, you know, no one talks about this game, and just, wham. <laughs> Yeah, even even outside of like playing at your place, I'll have to. I'll text my brother. I feel like I may have played it as a kid too, because mm. like, mm. I think I struggled a little bit playing it like you did. Like it's just, it did because it was a challenging game. Oh yeah, but I, I'd have to text him and see if it's in our collection. He actually still has a lot of our old Sega games still uh, over at his house. So I'm like, does Ranger X is that in our pile? Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've got a lot of old stuff there. Yeah, and uh, I just feel bad because it's like no one talks about it, and that was like uh, the one and only game. That company made Sega published it, but then gave little to no fanfare about it, and then it promptly up and farted off into obscurity. But no, that's like it's it's got some of the best graphics on the Genesis, and it was like at the time, like even magazines were talking about it, like, "Wow, this pushed the Genesis color palette to places we never thought it could go." And it's just, and I still like. You ever just wake up in the morning and your like brain is firing on some weird cylinder, just some weird part of your brain? And you're just like, where is that? You know, on occasion, you know, I'll get like Ranger X boss themes and just wake up and it's just like, what? What the heck? What was I doing in my dream? <laughs> I shamefully admit I've had more than one video game dream. <laughs> oh yeah, I had one. Um... Uh, I don't know if you guys ever played StarCraft. Doug played I StarCraft a lot. Yeah, so in the very in the original StarCraft expansion, uh, Brood War, uh, the trailer and the, actually the introduction for the whole game was a guy who was like walking through these trenches while they're trying to basically defend this little area away from the Zerg coming in, and they're getting ready. They're getting invaded, basically. Mm-hmm. And oh, there's this whole segment of him like try, turning and shooting like the Zerg, and he's going back and forth. And some guy comes up, it's real cool, shoots his grenade launcher and kills one of the other Zerg and saves the guy. And there's just this whole sequence of him walking through these trenches. And I dreamt that I was there one night. <laughs> like, oh. I, dreamt, I was like on a battlefield with trenches, and then like Best I was dream ever. <laughs> it wasn't bad, but yeah. I think I was like. I had to have just like just started high school because that game was coming out in what ninety nine I think. Mm-hmm. Out. So I was probably a freshman in high school. I think I had or, uh, eighth that game. grade. Wouldn't that be eighth grade? Because uh, we all graduated in 04. Oh yeah, that- you're right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you're close. You're close. But oh, yeah, yeah. Like, either right before high school or as I was mm-hmm. starting. It. But yeah, I remember playing the game and then I had this dream and I woke up and I was just like I. Yeah, that was intense. Like, just like on this dark <laughs> battlefield, you're shooting Zerg coming at you. Oh, it could be worse. You could be like me, and uh, when me and Tyler were uh, rapidly trying to collect all of the Smash Amiibo, I'm still trying to do that. But you know, but yeah, you know, I'm it missing, was so I'm hard. Six now. But it was so hard for some of those early ones, and uh, you know, I was having a, like stress dreams about it, and like. Yeah. Me and him were getting together and ordering them from the United Kingdom and shipping them to America because it was cheaper to do that than to actually like try and buy them off eBay. Yeah, so yep. fun times, but you know, uh, uh, what's the matter, Dave? 
the heroin makes the amoeba nightmares go away. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> No, ladies and gentlemen, I have never done hair or actually any drugs that were not, you know, prescribed to me by my doctor. Thank you very much. Again, we did a soda bong in high school. (laughs) Wait, that wasn't high school, was it? Was that college? college. Yeah. That's because I, I think we were trying to be the anti-partiers. We're like, we were oh, having yeah. a party, and then yeah. people were doing beer bongs. We're like, let's add some more carbonation, guys. Yeah, yeah. It. And that ended up being the challenge, really, was yep. like, could you finish the can of soda before your throat burned? Like, <laughs> Or uh, or your stomach contents came up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. That was an interesting party. That was. That's, yes, it was. We had some interesting parties. <laughs> I still have pictures of that party somewhere. Uh, I do as well. Nice. So, uh, well, guys, great. let's go ahead and do a, kind of a rapid fire here. One more okay. each, but try to keep it under five minutes. Okay. So, Good luck with that. We'll try. <laughs> yeah. Phil? <laughs> Okay, so the other game I had was a game called Sacrifice. Um, if you're ever into in real-time strategy games, it was it completely revamped it. So as opposed to like the traditional top-down that you would get from like Command and Conquer or StarCraft, it was actually third-person. And the premise was that you were a wizard. Uh, I th- I want to say he was up and coming and trying to get rid of another evil wizard. It's been a while, but. What I remember about it was that you had essentially you were trying to become friends with different gods like earth, wind, water, fire. And they actually had Tim Curry and Brad Garrett doing a couple of the voices in the game. Uh, Tim Curry did the wind god and Brad Garrett did the earth god. And depending on which god you did missions for, that was actually how you built your army. So if you did a certain mission with with one god he would give you one unit or one spell that you could use to fight on the battlefield but you could interchange them so you could do fire for one mission and get one kind of demon that you could summon and then you do the next mission you could go to wind and then have a different demon or a different spell that did a different thing and that was how you could cater your army when you were doing it and the premise of the game was that you would just essentially go and overtake other wizards and you'd, and you'd climb the ladder. Like I, th- I think it was cut and dr- as cut and dry as that. It was pretty straightforward. Um, I, I remember there being a little bit of hype, admittedly. I, th- I remember people talking about it because it was completely redoing strategy games, but it never really stuck. Like I remember it kind of it came out and people were like, eh, and then it just kind of fizzled. But that's a game that always really stuck with me. Um, that's one that I played a lot growing up. I think it came out in the year 2000. So it would have been... Uh, yeah, I guess when PC gaming was really up and coming. was mm-hmm. Man, what is it with Tim Curry and uh, being in uh, strategy games? Because wasn't he in one of like the Command and Conquers? He was. And he the- actually... <laughs> if you liked the, uh, the, I guess this would be another call out is uh, Frankenstein. Like if you liked Mist, mm-hmm. um, I never played. I didn't get into those. My brother did. I watched him play them. But I think it was Frankenstein or Frankenstein. I guess Frankenstein's monster. But mm-hmm. Tim Curry actually played a live action character, and that he played as himself. He wasn't doing just a voice. He was acting it. And nice. he played a doctor that would. You, I guess you would. I guess he would have played Frankenstein, who wakes you up, and you're basically trying to explore his castle and get out. But it was a puzzle game. 
Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But that was during a weird time in gaming. There was a, a few years in like the late 90s, going back to Command, Command & Conquer did it. They did uh, Frankenstein, and I guess another rapid-fire call-out would be Phantasmagoria, if you can get your hands on that. But it was all live-action recorded for the cinematics. But Phantasmagoria was a horror game that you played. Is that the one with Jeff Goldblum in it? Ooh, I don't know. Good question. There is one where Jeff Goldblum is in one of those kind of games. I, you know, okay. I, I, it was on Outside Xbox. I can't remember the title of it. I, I'm actually going to look that up. I don't know. So, real fizz, fast. You mentioned Mist, and it just reminded me of something. This is probably. Oh, really I knew you went to go grab that. <laughs> the book. Yes, I, I remember you had the book. You had like the Mist Bible. Oh my yeah. god! So wait, is yeah. that just all the puzzle solutions? No. This is the prequel to Mist. Oh, mm-hmm. so oh, like the actual book book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's called Mick Mist, the Book of Artris or Atris. Uh, and there was a second one that I don't think I have anymore. That was uh, the Book of Dani, D apostrophe and I, if memory serves me correctly. Phenomenal books if you ever get a chance. Great kind of fantasy alternate reality type books. <laughs> I'm not mocking him, ladies and gentlemen. It's just I, I knew that he had that. Whereas, meanwhile, I'm, I, I can't say any crap against him because I have all of the Resident Evil chapter books over in this direction right here. Our geeked him. Yep, yep. Okay, what's your uh, rapid fire, Tyler? All right, so actually doing research on this uh, one, I had a question for you, Dave. Yeah, Are you okay. familiar with an anime or a manga called Area 88? No, not that one. Okay, because uh, this is what this game is based off of. It's a game called UN Squadron. Uh, okay. UN Squadron is a side-scrolling uh, plane shooter. Kind of think like your R-types, only it's okay. not alien-based, not space-based. It's, you know, fighter okay. jets. Oh, okay. But, um, but it's added so many unique mechanics to it that made it really stand out. Uh, mm-hmm. So the first mechanic is you get to choose your pilot. Some pilots uh, are have better shields. Some pilots have more health. Uh, some are more well-balanced. Well you know, it's just mm-hmm. kind of different options there. Mm-hmm. And then when you do the missions, the more enemies you kill, the more money you make. So just surviving isn't enough. You want to make more money so you mm-hmm. can buy better planes. The different planes will have different health adjustments, will let you purchase different specialty weapons. There was about 16 different weapons you could buy. Cluster nice. bombs... Uh, there was one I call the Rainmaker, where you just shoot this one missile to the sky, it just kills everything. But it is super <laughs> expensive, and you can only buy one at a time. Ah, uh, okay. But that was part of the, the game as well, too, is deciding how are you going to invest your it, it money and making sure you kill as much stuff. And any weapons you don't use, any ammunition you don't use of those, you get money back for that can go towards your next mission. Hmm. And then the mission was on a the missions were on a map, kind of a grid base, kind of think like uh, uh, I don't know, really good uh, uh, parallel. But after each mission, like the tanks and the ships would move, so mm-hmm. you could go to what missions that you thought were easier that would allow you to get more money, but they would get to a point where if something got too close, you would have to do that mission. So okay. sometimes. So you would, you know, kind of plot it out. All right, I'm going to do these easy, easy missions to have enough money so I can have a really heavy-duty uh, plane for when I need to do this mission when it comes close to the home base. 
Interesting. Uh, it sounds like the map sounds like kind of like a an overhead like strategy kind of game map, but then yeah. like battle was actually a level. Exactly. Um, uh, what system was this for? Super Nintendo. Wow. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, hmm. No, I, I, the, the anime does not sound familiar, but that doesn't surprise me. There's a bajillion. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, like, <laughs> it's like trying to take a small drink from the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you're ever looking for a really fun time for an afternoon, mm-hmm. this is, think of it like the thinking man's R type. We're just playing is enough. You have to actually plan out how you're going to play. Interesting. No, that sounds really cool. I will definitely have to look that one up. Oh. <laughs> hmm. No, I was just surprised there was a Super Nintendo. You know, we've been kind of surprising a lot of people. Oh, you can do this in this game. What game is a Sega Genesis? Yeah. <laughs> they got pretty, uh, what's the word? Creative. And res- creative and resourceful with yeah, like what they could do with those systems. There were mm-hmm. some pretty advanced stuff on Super Nintendo where I I remember just being dumbfounded. Even now I'm dumbfounded by the, the stuff they were able of of accomplishing with it. Mm-hmm. I mean it, that that really it kind of sums it up. Sometimes having limitations on a console um, forces innovation for you mm-hmm. to think outside yeah. the box and yeah. create something truly special. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the. Uh, Unfortunately, it seems a lot of the times that throwing unlimited money at a project now will uh, get uh, a result that can be, you know, literally a polished turd. So, mm. you know, in some cases, that's kind of why I really like some of these games that, you know, you know, reference or use like old school graphics because then they kind of put themselves in a box and, then, yeah. you know, it's like we got to be creative. Like, uh, well, like, even though I know the creator is apparently kind of a tool, but uh, you know the creativity that went into making Fez, you know, is uh, was pretty spectacular. Okay, uh, so, I guess from quick, my quick, quick Sorry. fun story here. So mm-hmm. uh, I was talking to our buddy Joel earlier today, and he's uh, visiting some family, and his nephew was playing Braid. And are you familiar with Braid? No, I know of it. That is the side-scrolling one that kind of looks like a Mario game, but it's got Prince of Persia time mechanics where you can reverse back. Oh, neat. And he's, I was like, I'm not sh-, and I told Joel, I'm not sure that your uh, your cousin should be playing this, because it's because it's like seven or eight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's like, well, why not? So, it's full spoilers on Bright here. The premise of the game is, is your guy trying to go after the girl, right? Trying to save her. Mm-hmm. But when you get to the end, you realize... She's running from you. You are the monster to her. Oh. Oh. That's and an interesting it, concept, yeah. And it kind of totally clicks because your character's kind of in like a suit and tie. Kind of reminds, reminds you of a, a like a creepy uh, frat boy type guy who just thinks he's going to get what he wants. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no means yes. <laughs> I will not finish that chant from the lovely people at uh, what Ivy League College was that? Ah, uh, never mind. <laughs> and over here we have the Rapatorium, everybody. And uh, yeah. Yeah, so, real fast, in case any of our listeners have any questions, no means no. Mm-hmm. Silence means no. 
Anything mm-hmm. other than yes means mm-hmm. no. Unless you're into hitting. But even then, assume no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, that was totally worth the look on Tyler's face. <laughs> yeah. Well, in that case, Dave, they, they should have a safe word. Pomegranate. <laughs> <laughs> the safety word is banana. I love you. <laughs> uh, no, I'm teasing again. Uh, I could get away with saying things on the internet that you know I would never. At times, nope, nope. Okay, uh, is it my turn? My turn. Okay? Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, so the last one, uh, I guess, for quick fire. Um, this might be maybe the most modern game that we're going to talk about. Um, but I actually picked a Wii game. Uh, and it's called uh, Cursed Mountain. Uh, got it right here. Uh, Cursed Mountain, again, kind of like Ranger X, which I talked about earlier. Uh, you know, a publisher, uh, Deep Silver, uh, you know, paid to have the game put out and then put, like, no marketing or. Uh, a plum or anything into promoting this game so you know it came out and fell flat on its face and i will definitely say i do have some gripes with the game um but it is a survival horror game that was designed specifically for the wii and specifically for use with motion controls parts of that are great parts of that are more you know like the waggle controls that you know a lot of the shovelware games for the Wii got the complaints about. But the atmosphere and graphics and storyline for that game were truly impressive for uh, what it was. And I was very impressed with what they accomplished. And the the plot is it's in, in 1980s Tibet and... Uh, uh, your character's brother was hired to look for like an ancient artifact on the uh, Tibetan mountain uh, Chamalonzo, and uh, apparently, like uh, the the natives around the village were just like, you know, well, there's a ritual you have to go through before you are allowed to go up the mountain, or else, uh, you know, the spirits will grow restless or whatnot. And uh, apparently, well, he, he he doesn't do that or messes it up uh, completely. And so uh, you are his brother have now decided that, you know, who's also an experienced mountain climber, you're going to come, you know, find him and bring him back dead or alive. Um, you know, but you're going to find your brother on Chamalonzo. And, uh, you know, you are actually trying to go through with what the natives have asked of you. But as you start exploring, you realize Nobody is around, you know, like something has happened. And so like these Tibetan villages are empty, you know, except for maybe the rare like monk, you know, the creepy monk who gives you clues and stuff like that. And now uh, ghosts are starting to, you know, get angry and attack as well as uh, some other like creatures from Tibetan folklore. Like, you know, you start later in the game seeing, uh, like uh, the Garuda, which is kind of like a, a crow kind of like demon thing. And apparently would your brother messing up this uh, tradition of doing this, um, you know, ritual to, to ascend the mountain, uh, he like released uh, souls from like, 
I guess, Buddhist limbo or, you know, the Tibetan Buddhism, you know, their version of limbo. And now they're wreaking havoc on the mountain and, you know, attacking anyone who tries to ascend it. And, you know, on the one hand, you also have like this very, they're using like the kind of Silent Hill fog mechanic because it's a snowy mountain. So, you know, everything is constantly in a snowfall or being windswept. And then suddenly, you know, you have these ghosts that are, you know, slowly popping in and out of reality. Um, and that are some of the mechanics that are pretty good because you are given like, um, Tibetan relics, which you put on your, um, your climbing axe to form like, kind of like, you know, like, uh, you know, like a staff or something. And you can use these to kind of channel your spiritual energy. Basically it acts as like the different versions of gun barrels. <laughs> so your spirit energy, you know, well now I have the spirit energy shotgun blast, things like that. <laughs> um, but, uh, and that's cool. That acts like, you know, that's why some people like the, the Resident Evil 4 for Wii the best because it actually had really nice, you know, uh, controls for the shooting. Because, you know, you have a little reticle that pops up and blam, you know, aim, blam. And that was nice. That worked pretty good. The problem is, is that, like, instead of killing the ghost, because it's dead, uh, you have to banish it. And so when you do enough damage, a small little... Uh, game appears where you got to do quick swipes with the Wii remote to banish the ghost. And some of those like did not want to register at all. There was like even a specific one. I remember dreading because it was kind of like a random generator, which one you would get. And I just like, Oh God, I hope it's not that one again, because it's like some of them you had to do like motion with the nunchuck and doing that was never fun. Um, but there were also, like, really cool parts, though, where, like, you're in a cave-in, and, you know, the entrance is closed away, and, you know, finally you get on the radio to your buddy in the game, and he starts talking back to you, only it's coming through the Wii Remote uh, speaker. And so, you've got to literally, like, put that up to your ear, and control it with the nunchuck, and you are listening to him give you instructions on how to get out of the cave, you know, literally one hand next to your ear and the other one's controlling. And that was really cool. And the atmosphere and story was just great. I mean, I could see, you know, a couple complaints here and there. But, you know, the fact that it just disappeared is what, you know, really gets me. I would figure more people would talk about it. But no, I never hear anyone talk about it. It's never on, like, hidden gem for horror lists or anything like that. It's just... You know, it's one of those, I, I do consider it a hidden gem, but like a really, truly hidden gem. I mean, sure, it's got its rough edges, but, you know, any game, if you nitpick it hard enough, is going to have some, but yeah. you know, just, you know, and, and I was excited to play it because, you know, like, I'm interested in, in culture and stuff like that, and I'm like, well, Tibetan's really one I don't know a whole lot about, you know, and it's just so interesting, so. Right. Sometimes that good story can really make it worth it. Like, mm -hmm. like if it's done well, you know, who cares if it's got those imperfections? Yeah, sometimes, you know, like, I will pl continue playing a game, even if, like, the gameplay can be pretty shallow, but if it's got, like, a compelling enough story, you know, that can be what keeps me going. Like, uh, did you guys ever play Asura's Wrath? Mm -hmm. That is a game that really wanted to be an anime series. Because it is mostly cutscenes, and there's some beat 'em up action, but again, it's just like 
Okay, this gameplay is hot garbage, but I have to see what happens next. You know, because it was, you know, it, the plot and the settings were just so new and different and cool to me. That's kind of, uh, granted, the gameplay is not by any means in this garbage, but I'm, I'm kind of noticing that with Persona 5. Something you watch, and I'm really just kind of caught into like, okay, what is all this evil crap going on right now? Mm-hmm. Again, gameplay is not bad at all. I'm actually loving the gameplay. It's just like mm-hmm. there's a lot of dialogue, and when I get to it, I, what, I would, what I'm really hooked on to with the gameplay is the dungeon crawling of just this notion of like, there's this palace you have to explore, and you can go in and you can find these save points, recharge your characters, and then if you need to leave, you leave and you come back. You got a week to finish the mission. Like. Mm-hmm. Oh but yeah, yeah. Back to your point about just like the intrigue of the of the story, just like okay, I want to see what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Well, guys, mm-hmm. I think this concludes another successful episode of Zero mm-hmm. Shots Gaming Podcast. Uh, any last thoughts, musings before we clock out for the night? Odama still sucks. There's that. All right. <laughs> That is 100% true. Uh, yep. If you hate yourself, go play Balland Wonderland. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll hate myself later this weekend. <laughs> I still admit that I'm probably going to buy it at some point, but I'll probably be like how I bought Knack 2. Knack D- 2 was, it was my free game out of like, you know, three. And it was like, you know, in the pile of all these $15 or less, you know, buy three, get the fourth one free. And what was even funnier, the GameStop employee asked me, do you want to spend the money on the protection plan for Neck 2? And I'm like, oh my god, my copy of Neck 2 might not work. And we both <laughs> laughed as hard as we could. <laughs> this game is launching for $60. I'm not going to pay $60 for <laughs> it. I might not even pay 15 for it. I mean, you know, you know, $10 maybe, but you know, I'm probably going to buy it just for the art style alone, and you know, it might be one of those games that ends up on my shelf but doesn't end up in the system ever. Yeah. I, I feel like a fair price for this game is you take it just so you can get the curse off of you that someone had placed on you. That's the punishment <laughs> for relieving you of the curse. <laughs> now, I do see that like there's a bunch of costumes that like change your powers. Was any of that in the? Uh... Oh, remember when I said the the left button changes your jump? Those yeah. are the costumes. Got it. <laughs> All they do is change your jump, and you still Understood. lose momentum. Understood. Okay. All right. All right. PlayStation well, Five. Here we come. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you again for listening. Uh, Join us again next week. We haven't figured out the topic next week, but I'm sure we'll have a great one. But until then, be kind, be nice, be safe. Bottoms up.